Hi there, working homeschool mom. It's fantastic to spend some time with you today. This is episode number 48 of the Striker Balance podcast for working homeschool moms. And in today's episode, I chat to Laura from Monkey and Mum, and she speaks about homeschooling her reluctant learner, and she gives some fantastic tips and strategies for motivating and engaging. As somebody who has to homeschool reluctant learners, I found this episode really, really useful. There are some fantastic practical things to implement in order to make homeschooling smoother and more enjoyable for everyone. Before we get into the episode, I would be ever so grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It just means that the podcast is shown to more working homeschool moms, because as we know, this working homeschool mom journey is definitely better with a community and with support. Hello and welcome to the Striker Balance podcast for working homeschool moms. This is Charlotte Jones. I'm a homeschool coach and homeschooling mom of twin boys. I know it can feel really overwhelming to keep all the balls in the air all the time. So each week I chat about tips and strategies for being a happy and thriving working homeschool mom that you can implement in your life too. I also speak to awesome and inspiring women who manage to juggle homeschooling and work successfully and find out what their secrets are. Be sure to check out my time audit and mindset challenge in the show notes and sign up to my newsletter for lots of cool freebies. And if you ever need to chat, please book in a session with me. I'm so excited for you to be here and I hope you'll get so much value out of this episode. So let's get started. Are you looking for a new math curriculum? Well, I'm thrilled to introduce our favorite math curriculum to you. CTC Math specializes in providing online video tutorials that take a multi-sensory approach to learning. Favorably reviewed in Kathy Duffy's 102 Top Picks and the Old Schoolhouse Crew Review, the lessons are short and concise to help your children break down concepts and appreciate math in a whole new way. The lessons are taught the traditional way and not to a test. Each one of the video tutorials is taught by an internationally acclaimed teacher, Pat Murray, who is renowned for teaching math concepts in a simple, easy to understand way and in only a few minutes at a time. Using a multi-sensory approach means having the combination of effective graphics and animation synchronized with the voice of a friendly teacher together with a practical assessment. This three-pronged attack makes learning so much easier and more effective. Even students who struggled with math are getting fantastic results, and ones who were doing okay before are now doing brilliantly. Visit ctcmath.com today to start your free trial. CTC Maths is generously offering my listeners an amazing special. Go to www.ctcmath.com forward slash MLH to get a half price discount plus a bonus six months for free. That's C-T-C-M-A-T-H dot C-O-M forward slash M-L-H. Today I'm going to be talking to Laura from Monkey and Mom. Laura is a homeschool mom from Europe raising a STEM gifted boy. Over at Monkey and Mom, she wants to help homeschool families from around the world to find the best materials by testing them out in a homeschool and sharing her finds with everyone, as well as tips and tricks she's found along the way in the seven years she's been homeschooling. On the work front, she moved from being a translator 
handmade artist and event photographer to finally settle on blogging. She is also working as a freelance content creator, but her desire to create led her to design various printables for homeschoolers that she is sharing for free on her website, as well as physical items on her Amazon shop. She homeschooled her son from kindergarten while moving back and forth between two continents of Europe and Asia. And her favorite thing about homeschooling is being able to try out so many different amazing programs and learn alongside her son. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here today. Thank you for having me. So today we're going to be talking about something that I think a lot of homeschoolers can struggle with, and that is homeschooling a reluctant learner. Maybe you can tell from your experiences, what does it feel like for you to homeschool your reluctant learner? It's so overwhelming. I don't know how it feels for everyone else, but for us, it's been like that scene from Don Quixote when you're fighting windmills. That's how I can describe it. Having a strong-willed child, they only do things when they are motivated to do them. And it's draining for the parents and for me as a homeschool mom. We're in the seventh year homeschooling and it's still hard. It still feels like the first day. We switched around curricula and tried other methods, but the problems that I feel led to the reluctance went deeper than that. So it's it's been a full journey for us trying to fight this reluctance or not fight it, but adjust to it and make him grow or change in this aspect. Yes, I think it can be. I know, as I said to you before we started, that my kids are also reluctant. It can be very frustrating and it can also take a lot of time, I think, to get anything done. So what are some of the things that you use when, you, when you're homeschooling and you hit this kind of wall of reluctance? What are some tips that you could maybe give or some activities that you do to overcome this? There are so many things we've tried over the years, but I think the most important thing is that we understand what reluctance means. When we say that we have a reluctant learner, this means that they are not interested in in learning for some reason, or they aren't interested in the way it's presented to them. So we already can identify two of the problems. And I think the learning reluctance comes from more places or it can come from more places. It might be because the material presented isn't challenging enough or it's too hard. So here we need to find some balance between hardness, like subjects we present to them and in what way we present them. Another problem can be not being motivated. And we all know we do things because we are motivated, either internally or externally. And the third problem might be confidence issues. I know that a lot of kids are maybe perfectionists. Some of them might think, oh, I'm not good enough to do this. So they are they quit even before starting. So I think these are some roots for the reluctance, or these are ones I found over the years. In our case, we were lucky enough to experience both sides of the coin. So I'm happy that I got to see both reluctance and passion because he's learning from his inner motivation. And even though he's very intense, uh, when he finds a focus, I can see the same intensity there also. I'll give you an example, like he loves science and particularly chemistry since he was about seven. He liked it so much that he taught himself the complete periodic table by heart. So that was something I wasn't expecting. On the other hand, he hates writing 
and always has. If he has to write like three sentence paragraphs, even now in sixth grade, he'll start complaining and moaning about the task. And there's little I can do to change his mind. And I noticed that in some areas, the learning reluctance faced with age, I told you about this, as he understands more, he seems to get why being more involved in his learning would benefit him long term. He still needs reminders and nudging. And this is tiring for me, still tiring to constantly push him and show show him the bright side. But there are some things that help us move along. So I, I... kind of listed 10 things we were we did over the years uh, in our homeschool and I tried to explain why these worked for us. So the first one was to give them a reason and I laughed at this one. I knew about it even before we started homeschooling, but how can I convince my six-year-old that reading is important? It's a skill that I knew he would need for life, but I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to explain it in a way he would understand it. But now, as he grew up, this, I noticed, is more easy for him to understand. It's been helpful for us in math because now he understands he needs math in order to advance in chemistry. So I managed to tie it to his passion and show him that he needs to put effort in an area he didn't like, like math, to be able to advance in an area he likes, like chemistry. So the another point would be the internal and external motivation. We know that doing things with no motivation is impossible. And internal motivation is how self-driven children learn. When there is no inner drive to do something and no inner motivation, what can we do? I know that what I'm about to say might be a little controversial, but I made use of it for years and it's proven to be such an amazing tool when I used it correctly. It's like when inner motivation is lacking, the parent can come and with outer motivation, you know, and temporarily replace the inner motivation. And I say this because it worked for us. He is, my son is totally lacking in organizational skills and I've seen it and motivation to do things that aren't chemistry, for example. So uh, when I say external motivation, I mean rewards or maybe not rewards, but incentives. We all need incentives to do things we don't like. We either give these incentives to ourselves or we get them from outside, like going to your job daily for money. So in a similar fashion, I applied this to learning and I can give you some examples of what we've been doing successfully here. I found out that these incentives don't need to be anything big or expensive or over the top. I noticed that my son is happy to just join in whatever he perceives as a game. So what works best for us were stickers. He loves stickers. He used to stick them all over the furniture. Uh, He loves stamps or glitter pens. Or we even had a point reward system where I would just give him points for the stuff he did or for the effort he put in and more time playing together because all kids love playing and love playing with their parents. So we've used them like this. And I've never seen him happier than when he got new stickers for completing the math problems or when he got the new set of glitter pens. So I think that these external motivators can be used temporarily until the internal motivation kicks in. So they start seeing the benefits of doing this. 
Another point that I have is making it fun. We all like things that are fun and engaging and kids love this. If you manage to make a little game out of learning, kids will react differently to it than if you just read the boring information from a book or make them memorize something. I made things fun by, I already explained, we made a game out of giving points. Like the whole lesson turned into a gamified experience and it, it didn't finalized with any prize or anything. It was just for the fun of the game. So this worked great for us. And I remember we were using this for reading because he was such a reluctant reader. He just read at seven and a half independently. So up to then, every reading lesson was torture for him. Another thing was keeping consistent. And I think this helped over years. It's not something you will see immediately. And I'm, I actually took this from parenting. Having a consistent schedule helped us with both parenting and homeschooling. And then another point would be setting clear expectations. When children know what's expected, they tend to cooperate. For example, uh, I'm, I'm coming back to the example with the reading. Every reading lesson for us would start and end in tears. It was horrible watching him like that. So he actually told me he would never read alone and that he hates reading. And I realized that I wasn't clear in my expectations of him and that he might just feel overwhelmed because I was opening that huge book in front of him and making him read. And I realized he looked at it as something overwhelming, like he has to read all those pages and it's too much. Or on one side, he was a perfectionist also. He knew he couldn't read it fast enough and he was feeling overwhelmed. And then I started telling him my expectations before each reading lesson. And they sounded something like that. I just want you to read this one page for reading. I will read everything else to you. You won't need to read anything else the whole day. And this was a compromise that we both found satisfying. And of course, as he got more confident in his ability to read, he didn't need more prompts from me. And I slowly encouraged him to do more independent reading. But the funny thing is that while I was collecting short chapter books for him to practice on, he just woke up one day and pulled this 300-page book on King Arthur, and he read it all. So it was no pressure from my side, no coaxing. We just did our reading lesson every day. He knew what was expected of him. We had the consistent schedule, and one day it just clicked for him. And that was the moment where his inner motivation kicked in, and he didn't need more help from me. Another thing we were doing was we, we switched curricula. When I see things aren't working uh, and I know it's not our fault, like it's something that, that just doesn't work with him. Many times when we pick a curriculum, it's hard to know whom we're picking it for because I know I'm guilty of this. I used to love classical homeschooling and it seemed like the perfect way to go when we just started homeschooling and everything made so much sense to me. But after investing in materials and trying them out and pushing them on him, I realized I didn't pick these for him. I picked them for myself. I was the one who liked the idea of it so much that I didn't realize it was the way, it wasn't the way he learned best. And I had to switch to an entirely opposite approach. Uh, we still choose curricula that I like, <laughs> 
because I have to be able to like it in order to teach it. But now I know that he needs a more fast-paced curricula, less repetition, and he doesn't learn best like by learn, learning by heart, like in a classical approach. So we need to make this compromise between what the parent is willing to teach to their children and in what way and how the children learn best. Um, I think what I don't like doing, because this might be interpreted wrongly, I don't like jumping around too much because if you take math, for example, and keep switching curricula every year, you might end up with big gaps in between. So before choosing a curriculum, I like seeing samples and even trying them out for a few weeks and see how they go to get a feel for them and see if they would work before I invest in them and we keep jumping around. And this brings me to another part, which is adapting. And I have to admit, I've been holding on to Matt for five years and I'm saying this like, it's not necessarily a bad thing what I did so far. For five years, I was the one delivering math to him. We just had a textbook curricula, uh, math in focus, and I worked with him on it from first grade. I knew I'm not great at math, and I don't like playing with numbers. I also know that my son's brain works differently, and he likes playing with numbers and finding different ways to solve problems. But I kept postponing this moment where I outsourced math because I felt I needed to do all homeschool subjects by myself if I was homeschooling him. And I think this is a huge mistake. I think more parents do it, but coming from a school system, that's what I felt. So if I'm homeschooling, I have to do it all myself. And I eventually woke up like about a year ago and outsourcing Matt this year has been such a relief for both of us because now he's actually excited about the subject. And I love it when he calls me to explain what he learned about. So we, we chose Mr. D Matt this year and it's been a game changer for us for Matt. He has so much fun with it. So I'd say don't be afraid to outsource what doesn't work. We use a self-paced online program and a math tutor this year. So both of them combined and he's having so much fun with math. Another point would be, and I think it's the eighth point, the growth mindset. I think a lot of people know about it already. It's a concept that appeared to me from the first moment and we've been implementing it in our homeschool for years. Like I tried to implement it from the beginning. It's not always easy, but teaching kids to be more flexible and accept that their brains are constantly growing and adapting, I think it's a great way to make them more receptive to learning. And we, we actually have a poster next to our working table that I've made into a printable. You can download it from my website. And it constantly reminds him of the growth mindset. So we, whenever we are stuck, we just go back to it. We're also discussing our favorite quote, which is all things are difficult before they are easy. And I try to use real examples, like from his own learning experience or life to illustrate it. And I'd say things like, um, do you remember how hard learning to read was for you? And look at you now, like you're reading hundreds of pages in a day without breaking a sweat. And this is how learning happens. Things that are new to you might seem hard at first, but if you're constantly working at them bit by bit, 
in some time you'll find they aren't so difficult. And he's like, yeah, I know. Reading really used to be difficult for me. And we, we go even further back when I say, you know, when you were a baby, walking was very difficult for you. Like you didn't know how to walk. But look at you now, you're running and you don't even think about it. So this is exactly how learning is happening. And I think this really helped put things into perspective for him. And I really love it. So we do that all the time. Another thing was offering them choices, like giving them the opportunity to take some decision in in their learning. So actually freedom of choice when it comes to learning, it might help them be less reluctant. Uh, one of the options I offer mine is every day is like choose the subject you want to start with. So sometimes he would choose math because that's easy and he's doing it independently. Sometimes we choose history. So he has a bit of freedom in that aspect. And I think the last point I want to talk about is the executive functioning skills. And something I've noticed about my son is that many times he doesn't realize that there are some things that take time. They don't happen immediately. Or certain projects have more steps to them. Like, I, I feel he feels overwhelmed by the prospect of finishing a big textbook. Uh, for some years, we actually, I actually took uh, workbooks apart and I was just presenting one page to him. So he knows that today you just have to finish this page, but he didn't know how thick the book was so for a year. And he feels overwhelmed by these prospects. I learned that executive functioning are just skills, skills that need to be taught and modeled, especially for some children, mine included. So what I've done is I created desk planners, like huge A3 size that he has on his desk and I plan them. I, I, I write everything down for him daily, but he can easily see at a glance what he has to do daily and check off things he's finished. And this way he slowly realizes the importance of working consistently and planning ahead or how good it feels to have something checked off a checklist. So this makes it less overwhelming and the planners really helped him take ownership of his education. And uh, I actually have the uh, two models of these planners on my website for to download for free. And I also made a student planner this year for him because I couldn't find anything that fit our needs. I, I wanted it to be like a checklist. I wanted it to be easy to read. So you can find that on Amazon. He has it daily opened on his desk and I've noticed a huge change. We, are, we, are started, we started our sixth year, um, our sixth grade, sorry, uh, about two months back. And I'm seeing a huge improvement over the last year. So I think this planner really helped him. So this is what worked for us over the years. I, I still feel it's a work in progress for us, but I've seen great improvements in our overall days and how they are going. And the fact that we aren't, we are actually ahead in some subjects. We were usually behind because it was just taking so long to finish some things. And I'm really happy how we managed to, to bring him to this point with all the systems we implemented and all the things we are doing. 
Sure, those are some really, really fantastic tips. And I mean, obviously, you're experienced now. You've been homeschooling for quite some time. You've learned a lot of lessons. You've kind of built up your confidence. But if you, yeah. if somebody is starting as a beginner homeschool and they know their kids are reluctant, what is one thing you think is really important right at the beginning before when they get started with homeschooling? Oh, my God. So... I think we are all making so many mistakes when we are beginners, but that's the way we learn and that's the way we manage to grow. So I remember all the excitement I felt when uh, homeschooling was an opportunity for us because uh, as I told you in our country, they don't, it's not a really, it's not an option for everyone. So I remember how excited I was. And one of the mistakes I made was to spread ourselves too thin. I used to look at multiple programs at the same time and feel that my son should cover them all, like we should do everything. And I managed to make him resistant to some subjects because of that. I have to be honest here. I had no idea what I was doing. So in time, I had multiple eureka moments like these where I realized certain things I was doing were wrong. So aside these 10 tips we've talked about, I think there are some things I realized along the way, which are, I don't know how many there will be. So uh, the fact that I didn't need to cover 10 math curricula at once was one big one for us. One main program program per subject was enough and I think it was more important to cover the material consistently and thoroughly than to jump around. Then another problem I had, I didn't need to stress about the subject that he was good at and I see this problem a lot. The child is great at art so the parent focuses all their efforts on art but we forget that if a subject is their favorite and they work on it independently, there's no need for us to push all our efforts into it too. I mean, it's necessary that we find new or interesting materials to keep the kids engaged, but if but they will mostly put in the work without us stressing about it because they are internally motivated to do things they love, right? So I realized that my job as a homeschooled mom was to bring him to an acceptable level in the areas that he didn't like where we were hitting that reluctance wall we were talking about. And this takes more effort from me. So uh, I learned to deviate my efforts from subjects that came easy to him, like the chemistry and science, to the ones he hated, like math and writing. So this was the smarter choice to make and something like the one thing I would tell everyone to do would be this, like focus your efforts where there are problems and not on the subjects that, you know, come easy to them and they do them anyway because they are motivated. Sure, absolutely. And I think the beginning, that is such an important point, is when you start homeschooling is to really observe your children as well. And I think that's a big yeah. part of starting if successfully is to see, okay, my kid really likes this, my kid really likes that, or they don't like this, they don't like that. And yeah. it takes some time to kind of get to know your child as a learner, I think, as well. And I think it's really important to do that before you kind of start homeschooling. Yeah, it does. And I think homeschooling actually is a work in progress. Like you constantly need to look and see what changed. You constantly need to look and see if any preferences in your children's 
passions changed or the way they learn changed. Like as they grow, you see everything changes. So homeschooling needs to be, and especially with reluctant learners. I feel this is a constant work from the parent. You you just can't let your guard down. So we do talk about de-schooling a lot, maybe before you start homeschooling. And the idea yeah. is kind of obviously for the parents is a big thing, but also to kind of do it throughout your, your homeschooling journey because kids change. And if you are like, or the product of a public school system, it's, it's very easy to kind of fall back into the same kind of routines again. So I think it's really important to also kind of de-school multiple times. So obviously this is a podcast for working homeschool moms. So how do you manage to work from home with a demanding child. Do you have some tip to share on that? Oh, yeah. So um, I've been working on as a photographer for several years. So this is a million dollar question, you know. The truth is we just wing it. I don't know how to say it. Some days we, we just can't do it and we skip school. That That's the reason why I prefer school, school, homeschooling year-round because I can take breaks whenever we need to, whenever we have a crisis. So being a photographer, I used to uh, not be home for like four days a week sometimes. That was a lot. So he had to learn how to work independently during this period. He still can't do it for everything, but I've seen an improvement there. So some days we just skip school because of my deadlines. Some days we'll just work. He he will just work independently on, on whatever he can do it, and then we'll just re- recover the subjects that he missed. And I try to keep two planners. One is my own that I have everything listed in it: appointments and trips and work deadlines. And the other is his student planner I just mentioned. And this planner has everything homeschool related in it even his uh, online classes and everything. So he can use it independently to know what he needs to cover each day. And he's not using it efficiently yet. He's still just 11. There's plenty of whining and procrastination, but things are looking up and I've seen improvements on that front. So sometimes I end up working late at night. Sometimes I work the weekends if I have to. And it's never been easy because he's so demanding. He's like, he's very intense. And I see that maybe that's why he's so reluctant in some area areas also. But he had to learn to work independently while I had to learn to work between cracks. <laughs> so I also uh, started choosing curricula that he can do on his own. So we chose self-paced classes like Mr. DMAT format or structure and style for students from IW, where he has the lesson presented by someone else. It's video format. So while he's watching these and working on them, like each of them takes about one hour. So I managed to sneak in working hours while he's listening to these videos or doing his work. He has the self-check work. And then when he's done, he brings everything to me and we check it together. So strangely enough, because he can't complain to the screen teachers, I guess his work gets done in record time. It it wasn't like that last year or the previous year. So this way I have time to do my work as well. Yes, I think that's a a really good point is that it's often a a juggling act. And I think... I always recommend year-round homeschooling because it really takes so much pressure off. And I think kids can learn so effectively just a couple of hours a day 
And and if you yeah. do homeschool year round, you just have it just reduces the pressure so much. I, I and also for me, like I said, my kids are reluctant. Is getting them back to to learning after taking a break can be really frustrating. Yeah. I don't know if you have yeah, that yeah, same issue. Yeah, we have the same yeah. issue. If he, if we take a longer break, it's harder to get him back on track. But if we keep doing small things every day, it's it's way better. So. Definitely. That's the solution for us also. Plus, I noticed that if we try to um, incorporate like a schedule, like school schedule, where you have the exact same holidays and you do math for 45 minutes, then take a break. Things don't work out like that for homeschooling, especially if you work from home. I constantly get phone calls or emails or get interrupted by unexpected situations. So these don't work for, it doesn't work for us. It's, it, we need something which is flexible enough to allow us to to allow me to work and allow him to continue learning. So this um, year-round homeschooling has been the best decision for us also. Sure, absolutely. And like you said, kind of leaning into that flexibility as well is like super important. Yeah. Okay, you've shared some really fantastic, fantastic advice and some tips for homeschooling a reluctant learner. Before we finish off, is there anything you would like to share with the listeners about what you're doing and maybe things that you're offering on your website, things like that? Oh, yeah, sure. So uh, they can find me at monkeyandwom.com. I write articles and especially review curricula. I think that uh, reviews really helped me over the years to decide which curricula was good for us, which wouldn't work for us. So I'm doing that and I'm hoping to help everyone like around the world, like I said, because we are in Europe and we also homeschooled in Asia for some time. So I know how, how it feels like to be outside the US because usually that's where most of homeschoolers are. So I also have a YouTube channel where I present these and I give tips to homeschoolers. I'm on Facebook and Instagram with The Monkey and Mom. And I also have an Amazon shop. If they look for Monkey and Mom Homeschool, they can find my planners there if they are curious to see. I also wrote a blog article about them and presented all the features. It's a really flexible planner and I think would help more families. Yes, I saw your planner on Instagram. It looks really, really, really nice. It looks like a fantastic planner. Thank you. And I will definitely link that, all your, obviously, everything in the show notes. Okay, Laura, thank you so much for, for chatting to us today. It was fantastic to hear all your tips. And I've definitely learned a lot as, as somebody who homeschools reluctant learners. Yes, yeah, so thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Drop me a DM on Instagram or post on the Working Homeschool Mom support group over on Facebook. And let me know what resonated the most with you. It would also be great if you could rate, review and subscribe or share the podcast with a working homeschool mom who might need it. It's my mission to support as many working homeschool moms as possible. Until next time, take care.